Am I recording now? Oh, look, cool, I am. Let's see, still new to audition, folks. Hello, good day, diary listeners. Happy Tuesday. Uh, this is gonna be an awesome interview. It's with Bailey Jean Moran of Karma Body Modifications. She is a first year tattoo artist, uh, though she's steadily moving into her second. And uh, we met at Paradise, and this uh, this is going to be a two-part uh, diary entry with, with Bailey. We are calling this first part Investment Banking. Yeah. Because, well, you'll see. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Awesome. Hello, diary listeners. I'm here today with Bailey Moran of Karma Body Modifications in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello, Bailey. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Um, this is actually, I, I, I always do confessions. Um, so this is our second time recording. Yes, it is. <laughs> because the first time my audio sucked and we felt like it would be a better showcase if we kind of re- invested in this whole venture. Yeah, I figured if people wanted to listen to the video, they should actually be able to hear what's going on. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and we don't, we only do audio right now. I mean, maybe one day, I mean, I do record the video of all these things. And you got this really cool space celestial thing going on in the background, which is cool. So I do have those things. I am not looking as good as you. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't really care. I'm unabashed about my looks really. Um, <laughs> But like, I've, I haven't gone to audio yet because it's a, it's a, it's another thing for me to learn and I'm not there yet. Well, I'll get there, but I'm, I'm yes, not there. We're humbly taking our journey to where it needs to take us first. Yes. <laughs> and we met at paradise. So yes, we did. that was awesome. And I met your mentor, Rick. Uh, he's awesome. Um, he's been, how long have you been apprenticing now? So it's crazy. Um, my one year is coming up on the 28th. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I met you on your birthday. I know I was turning 24. I was, um, I can't wait to get my SpongeBob cake next year or oh. this coming year for the what's better than 24, 25. <laughs> I, I want that. that. I love <laughs> that. That's perfect. That's awesome. I can't, I can't wait for that too. So October, we can look yeah. forward to that. <laughs> Everyone's invited. <laughs> yeah. Look out. We're going to, we're going to have a SpongeBob cake. It's going to be awesome. And you can rent a car. Yeah. I'm looking on up. Hopefully my credit score gets up there too. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it yeah. will. I mean, that's the thing is like, um, uh, doing this, this job in the beginning is, is quite the stretch of finances in the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, paradise was not cheap. In fact, that was brought up by a couple people. Yeah. I, well, luckily I was, um, like I said, uh, in the last video, uh, we, um, my mentor was actually going to bring, uh, someone else and then they ended up not able to come. So, all my expenses were paid for already. So luckily I got to do that. That is awesome. I mean, mm -hmm. not so great for them, but not, no, no. Awesome. Well, that's what I was like. I really, really appreciate this. And then yeah. they were like, we know you've said it seven times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. Well, and, um, it was really cool for us cause we really enjoyed meeting you. Rico loved meeting you. Um, cause you guys had a lot in common, you hunt yeah. and, you know, you're a pretty dynamic person. So, yeah. Well, I, I think I'm just, I want my variety to be wide. I feel like, you know, you're only on this earth for a certain amount of time. I might as well dabble in all of the arts that I can. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I get to eat that. So <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Right. Yeah. She, uh, you were showing us a couple big bucks that you and your dad had, uh, 
had gotten, which was really cool. Yeah, that was so rude of him to steal that from me, but hopefully I'll be the favorite daughter for a while. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Rico didn't get anything this year. He's kind of he's kind of butthurt about it. Um, yeah, I only got a little button buck, but uh, this year, but my dad told me there was nothing but dough on his land. And after that huge buck that he shot with me, he's like, there's no point in shooting anything smaller than that after that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what his, maybe it was just, maybe that's it. We just have to, you know, I think people don't realize that like how ethical it is that a lot of times that, you know, the hunters are out there and they're not going to shoot anything unless, you know, they really see something that's, that's worth that. And that has been, you know, out there for a minute. And if everybody's Mm -hmm. small and looking like they need to replenish. Yeah. Not something you go well, after. And like, unless it's a fat doe that I'm going to shoot, like that's only good for eating. And I don't necessarily like to shoot buck just because you can taste the testosterone in them. But yes, it's true. You can that kind of rut in them. Yeah. 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 It's not Absolutely. the tastiest, but I guess they're pretty. Yeah. Yeah. We always, we always do a a buttermilk soak and that tends to help a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It really, sometimes it helps it out, but my, I swear, like sometimes your brain just makes it up that you can still taste it. And then I'm like, okay, well I have a, I still have deer meat from last year. So I've basically just been giving it away to the shop. I've just been like, you guys want some sausages? And they're like, heck yeah. So I've just been giving it to people as a present. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, you're earning your, your stay there in spades, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome. I'm like, please don't fire me. Here's a deer sausage. (laughs) I think you're good. I think you're good. They're going to keep you. Um, so let's get into it. I'm, we, we wanted to re-record. You're sounding a lot better this time. We're not breaking up or nothing. So, um, what, okay. So before uh you came into tattooing you worked at a bank correct yes I worked at American Heritage Bank um I worked there for almost like two and a half years okay yep and um uh, remind me uh was it you wanted to tattoo before that correct I'm sorry what was that did you want to tattoo before that yeah, from the time that I was a little girl, I was telling my parents that one day I was going to be a tattoo artist. I was like six year old, six years old, like coloring, showing ideas of what I was going to do. And uh, I mean, my whole family was like, all right, cool. Like, that's what you're going to do one day. And then I was working for the bank for a long time. And then I was like, I hate paperwork. I can't stand it. So I uh, was like, okay, well, I think it's time to change careers. And I end up picking up and moving my whole life around just to be there. Um, yeah. Uh, me and my husband had lived in Sepulpa for like three years. And um, we talked to my brother and we were like, Hey, he's on the road being a semi truck driver. Do you mind if we like r- rent out a room so that we can, you know, save money to do this. And he was like, well, that helps me with my mortgage. So come on in. And then after that, I, uh, Like I said, I changed my job. I changed my home. Uh, I almost changed friend groups. I kind of still talk to the people at the bank. It just seems like we're on different schedules. They're they're rooting me on from afar. Yeah, no, it's totally a schedule change. Um, When you're in this kind of service business, you're our busiest days are you know, like Saturday weekends. Yep, They're getting Mm -hmm. off early. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, that sucks. But I guess, I guess it's fine. Yeah. Well, there's really no excuse for them not to come get a tattoo then. I know. That's why I keep posting on Facebook. I'm like, come, come get a tattoo. And they're like, oh man, if I didn't have plans today, I'm like, you're lying. You're lying. (laughs) (laughs) You can't ensure it's always somebody's thing. I know in uh, the hair world, I've only tattooed like maybe a handful of my former hair clients. You know, it's just different vibe, you know? Yeah. Not everyone's for it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I just will lightly bully people until they come in. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, right on. So I I guess, um, you know, we've, uh, what, uh, what happened as you were trying to get a tattoo apprenticeship? Like, how did that look? Yeah, so um, uh, Rick had been my tattoo artist 
for a while. Um, and that's another thing that I think that we had talked about. I had never really thought about going to more than one person for a tattoo before until I got into this industry. Now I'm like, yeah, I should totally travel and have different artists do that. That's awesome. But, um, he, he had been tattooing me and I think he was tattooing. It was my thigh piece. And I was like, you know, I'm an artist too. And he was like, oh yeah. And so I was like, I don't really have a whole lot you know, taken, I haven't taken many pictures of what I do anymore. I don't have much time because of the bank, but, um, I was like, I have some pictures of my old stuff. So I would, I would show him sometimes, but I would only bring it up, you know, whenever he asked me about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then he was like, well, you weren't annoying about it. What do you think about a, a apprenticeship? And I was like, I mean, that could be awesome. But on the inside, I was like, eee! like oh my God. <laughs> it's happening so um I was like yeah that sounds cool like roll my eyes a little bit pretend that I'm not overly excited but um then he was like how about you come hang around but his uh hours uh closed whenever we closed and then you know they didn't open until like noon mm-hmm. and so I was already at work between those hours And, uh, I was like, you know what? (sighs) And I had talked to him. I was like, if you're just going to hire me, I'll quit my job. But if you're not just going to hire me, I can't, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so he was like, all right. And he was like, quit your job. So I was like, awesome. So I showed up and then, uh, mostly I was doing front counter stuff there for like, I want to say about six, four to six months. Nice. And then we got some extra help and it kind of it opened my eyes to the actual industry of piercings too. There's a lot more that goes into it than people think. It's not just poking a hole in your body and putting a piece of jewelry in there like there's a lot more to it and I have a I have a better respect for that now, I think. Oh yeah. And do you how many artists did you have to um do front end work for at the time? Um what do you mean? Like, um, did you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's like greet and everything like that. I'm sure everybody manages their own schedules, but like how many artists were you like the face of, that's what I mean. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So I didn't um, phrase it we well. Had, uh, obviously it was Rick and then there's, uh, Gabby, mm-hmm. uh, she goes by Gabriella and then we have Tristan and, um, Thomas came in about the same time that I came in. So, um, I was, I was doing paperwork for pretty much them and the piercers, uh, okay. and selling jewelry up there and talking to people about jewelry and then the procedures on which we do things. Uh, and then I would set up for, I would set up for Rick. Sometimes I would set up for the other artist if we were like, um, having crazy busy days where they're like, Hey, can you go, you know, break them down and set them back up while they talk to these other people. And I was like, yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, there for a while I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, but it was a good learning experience. It made me really appreciate how much they really do. It's more than just tattooing and it's more than just piercing. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that shocked you about it or, you know, that you might be able to share? Um, so, uh, for the piercing part, it was, um, I didn't realize there was gauges for certain parts of your bodies. And then, um, we have a, a sterilization strip for when we go back there and sterilize the jewelry, it's like purple at first, but then it turns green. And then, um, really making sure that people, uh, follow along as you walk through the steps of how to make it a safe and a happy time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how much material goes into setting up. I think that's what people don't realize, like the public. I think that they think like, oh, I can just, I'm, I'm not going to show up to my appointment. Well, we already set up the saran wrap. We put the, you know, we put the, we wrapped our machines. We sterilized this. We put your inks ready. Like we got everything and the stencil. And if we don't get somebody else that comes in that day, either we have to, you know, like throw it all away. And that's a lot of money. So, yeah. Uh, that and I mean, if people don't come in, we're not making money like at all. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, 
it's not like being on a payroll kind of thing, you know? And, um, it was mostly just how much money they don't, that people don't realize. Cause they'll be like a hundred dollars for this tiny design I picked out. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is a hundred dollars worth of setup that we have just in plastic. So I'm just telling you now, like you're getting a good deal for this, especially like if you want an in, in-home tattoo, that's up to you. But I hope that you don't walk away with hepatitis because I'm really doing my job here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and not only that, but like if you're conscientious, like you said, about all of the the one shot kind of things uh, that you have to actually have in order to service a client, it's mm-hmm. a lot of waste. Like it's a lot of yeah. trash to have mm-hmm. to throw out. So you know, your footprint in a lot of ways, like you're, you're doing something that like we, we could argue whether or not it's a necessity or not. Surely it's a, a very emotionally gratifying thing. And a lot of people do get tattooed to help themselves through very tough mm-hmm. emotional times. But like when it is a smaller tattoo impulse kind of thing, it's like, well, yeah, dude, like you were mm-hmm. able to just walk in here. We're accommodating you. How much did you pay for that bottle of water that you got at the yeah. convenience store? Did you ever question mm-hmm. why that was two fifty? Mm-hmm. Like, that bottle of water—that's water. Yeah, yeah, that's you know <laughs> that should be free to us, but it's right. not. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's not so much of a me being rude way or like not seeing eye to eye with somebody. It's just like a lot of that surprised me um, going into this, seeing um, people. Uh, a lot of people understand because they've worked with the public, but also a lot of people that don't understand because they're just upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, and I, I think too, uh, um, it's, it's just, I, I, I didn't really know much about a lot of the tattoo industry until I was in it. Like there's mm-hmm. so much to it beyond the art and, you know, just the tattoo. There's so, so, so much. There's, um, you know, culture, there's what, how are you ordering your shop? Is it a walk-in basis? Is it appointment only, you know, like there's just so many different ways to actually engineer it, to run it, to all these different things. Plus there's every person is a new person. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole nuance thing. Um, you learn a lot, you learn a lot front end. I think it great. also shocked me, um, because, uh, the gatekeeping of a lot of knowledge um it really doesn't get out there it like until recently there have been people willing to share some things people are wanting to become tiktok famous so they're putting things out there that you know like they're like watch me get ready for my tattoo appointment today and like they like set up their you know their place and then they show the design and they show some things and i know some other artists like will nitpick at you know how they set up their machine or um you know how they place their stencil or whatever uh and but it it really did surprise me because i i didn't know anything going into the tattoo industry either um one thing that does does crack me up is like like the old heads were like talking about like hazing and stuff um I I just think it's funny because wouldn't it be hilarious to you for someone to be like, you absolutely cannot have any boundaries with me because you'll get fired. Like you still are allowed to have boundaries. No one can tell you you're not. Yes. Yes. And, no, truly. Um, yeah. So like that surprised me too. Um, hearing other people's crazy stories, whatever, like, and like we talked in the last video, of course, you're going to bump heads with your mentor. You're not going to want to hear some things you're, you are going to hear some things and you're going to like pretend that you didn't get hurt, but really it was helpful, you know, like there's stuff like that. So things like that surprised me, but I do, I do think to an extent that the gatekeeping on some things is necessary in order for us not to become a McDonald's where we're on every corner. Yeah. But to, like I said, to an extent where um, we can share knowledge and make each other grow, mm-hmm. but I feel like, yeah, obviously you shouldn't be out there making the whole knowledge available to anybody or we're going to be the next dollar, dollar tree. Yeah. 
Well, and and um, well, not only that, but like uh, the the control gets lost by the people. And I didn't realize this when I started because I was like, why don't they why don't they teach this like in schools? And my mentor at the time, he was like, no, you don't want that. If you have that, then what happens is, is um, certain levels of bureaucracies and, and regulation get involved. And he's like, it gets so ominous that they'll have these really restrictive forces where every room has to have its own sink, every, you know, all these different things. And it really shuts down access in a way that's not even for the the craft itself. Like it's not necessary for everybody to have their own sink. He's like, you're not even supposed to like dump certain shit down the sink. Like that's yep. not, yep. that's not, that's like a ridiculous rule, but they'll have it. Some States will have, you have to have a certain kind of like repellent paint on the wall. And if you don't have that kind of paint, just nonsense kind of stuff yeah. as if you, as if you couldn't repaint a wall or, or then, mm-hmm. you know, like you can put restrictions for your, your space that accommodates the clientele, keeps everybody safe and doesn't escalate to this bureaucratical nonsense that is basically re- regulated by people who don't even understand what you do. They don't even know yep. what they're looking at. They just have a, mm-hmm. a checklist of things that you either have done. And if you haven't done, you get a fine until you do it and mm-hmm. it becomes crazy. So, and I don't think people realize that when, if you don't gatekeep with that, the people who hold the actual knowledge lose the ability to control that mass, that mass populace kind of thing mm-hmm. where now we have, you can buy a tattoo machine on Amazon. Well, what happens after that? Yeah. And then the board, you know, whatever regulatory yeah. body, they, they can't get that person. They can't. Well, and they can't control if they're cross contaminating in their free time. Like, nope. there's a reason that I think apprenticeships are important because um, I like, obviously I've worked in the food industry, so I know to an extent of cross-contaminating but uh when it's tattooing it's a whole different ball game and so yeah like there's a reason that it's you know like you were explaining and yeah I've I have a few um people that I know who are like oh yeah you can have my tattoo machine that I bought off Amazon you can practice on me and I'm like nope (laughs) nope sorry that sounds like a horrible idea (laughs) nope not I do not know where that came from I would rather not do that I honestly would rather just to try my hand at stick and poke with like an like a little cartridge and just go like the like just yeah. hit the bobbin on the back yeah. and just see if I can stick and poke it if if that's what we're gonna do. Let's see how fast it takes me to do it or how, yeah. how slowly. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, totally. I I agree with you. And um, so it's a very delicate balance of those things. And I think it's finding the right um balance with anything and a lot of it has to do with what the public is able to see and assess so you know it's it's one of those things where i am happy the public knows more about mm-hmm. you know what to expect just because that way they can kind of ask questions and push back if they really f- i mean i always felt but i grew up in the salon industry when i walked into a place and like there was a dirty fish tank and a dog in the corner and there was kind of like, you know, dirt that I could see visibly. I was just kind of like, I'm not going to yep. stay here. Like if I was going to get my teeth clean or something, I'd be like, I'm good. That's um, I'm going to wait another six months. Yeah. I'll, yep. I'll call you. <laughs> That's like growing up. My, my mom, she was like, if you go into some place that you are wanting a service from, look around pay attention and see exactly what you want from these people she's she cracks me up she's like every time I go into someone's house I don't mean to do it but I immediately look at their baseboards and if they're disgusting I will not eat their food (laughs) yeah no totally there's that there's um my mom looks at mirrors in bathrooms and stuff like she's like well I can tell you floss that's (laughs) great but uh yeah, girl, yeah. you might want to wipe down your mirrors. <laughs> yep. If you're not paying attention to even the tiniest of things, like I, you know, 
and if it's a service like getting your teeth cleaned, I am going to be a little bit concerned for my well-being after this. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, man. Like, so I think it's a, it's an even give and take. And I, I can't say that I didn't, I wasn't ghetto, like severely. I've tattooed a friend of mine on my couch, like yep. the fabric underneath of him. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I, I did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we all, we all, I mean, I think after you get comfortable for a while too, you tend to, you slip back a little bit, which is normal human behavior. But even in the beginning too, like if you're just learning something like, oh yeah, I did tattoo my friend on my couch, but I wouldn't do that now, you know? No, no. <laughs> and, and it, it was, it was a product of, um, a lot less information, you know, like we didn't have YouTube videos. I didn't even know what ink I was using. He had a high res MRI and the ink letched from his skin because it had such a high metal content. Yeah, that's crazy. I yeah. just re well, I had gotten tattooed by Gabby and I had to reschedule my MRI because I was going through the paperwork and it was like, have you had a tattoo in, you know, uh, less than six weeks? And I was like, I checked. Yes. And I got a phone call and they were like, you can't do that. You can't come in here. And I was like, what? And they were like, it will cause severe burning and irritation. And some inks have metal in it. So that's why. And I was like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back in the day, though, there, like now the the regulatory bodies have like on mass, like, but back then they used to use like drawing ink. They used to just yeah. use whatever ink they yep. came across. From a pen or something where they broke it open. And when you wanted to be an apprentice and you were trying to self-teach, you got like a, a tattoo kit. They still have them out there, but they're a lot more legit than mm -hmm. when I was. Um, it was it was nuts, dude. And and I can see why people had not only like a lowbrow idea of tattooing, but also piercing because I got this really this really inflammatory certificate with my <laughs> tattoo kit. That basically said that I was certified now because I had just bought all this stuff, you know, somehow, uh -huh. some way. And it just had all these dicks and boobs and like different ears and different body parts, like all on the border. And they were just all pierced. And I was just like, oh, well, this that's is class cool. right there. You're getting you're not getting anything better than that. <laughs> Girl, I mean, I will say this for myself. I didn't have an autoclave, but I did pressure cook all of my instruments that I use, like my tubes, and I scrubbed them pretty well. So I did have, I didn't know enough to know not to hurt people in that way. But yeah. my couch probably had biohazard all over it. You know, no big deal. <laughs> Crazy. I'm so glad that you had a different experience uh, than uh, me. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I have been offered plenty of free tattoos in someone's home, you know, cause I was a little bit of a hood rat myself growing up, but, um, I was like, I remember my mom going, if you come home with some ugly ass butterfly that looks like a kindergartner did it, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, you know, and for the listeners who don't know my mother, she is a redneck woman who will beat you with whatever is next to her so i believe it <laughs> mm -hmm. you're like i'm good that's fine yeah i'll, yeah. I'll wait the, yeah i was like you know what i'll just make mistakes whenever i'm an adult <laughs> how was she when you finally started getting tattooed was she supportive and all of that oh my mom's covered in tattoos one of my biggest supporters she oh, um she was great. obviously probably one of the main influences of me wanting to be a tattoo artist growing up Cause she would come home with a new tattoo and I would be like, that is awesome. Like Aww. I want to do that one day. And she was like, you're gonna, and you're going to be the best. And I'm Aww. like, heck yeah, I am. And we would like high five. Like she, she knew it. I'm six and I'm like coloring on her with markers. And she's like, you're doing great. <laughs> That's I'm like, awesome. thank you. But yeah, she, uh, I mean, she's awesome. My mom's awesome. I call her every day on the way to work and every day whenever I leave work. And, That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, she she's just one of those ladies that's like amazing, but I would not cross her. She's crazy. Um, and my mom's the same way too. I don't I don't keep in contact, but we've gotten a better relationship now that I I'm not such a little shit. I was I had 
it was rough. Girl, I was, I was a mess. I was emotionally a mess, but yeah, we have a much better relationship now that I'm, I'm better. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Sometimes we all got to grow a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got to grow a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still growing. (laughs) I'm hoping, I'm hoping I, you know, like just get better with age and like the really slow evolving wine, you know, it's just like at its pinnacle at 80. (laughs) Hey, I don't blame people though. Like you, you gotta go through what you gotta grow through. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, my mom had seven kids. I don't blame her. If we would have called her bluff, she would have been done for. Like, we would have just all, like, football piled on top of her, all seven of us, and she wouldn't have known what to do. So, like, she had to pretend to beat us with a flip-flop a time or two to make sure that we weren't going to overtake the government that she had established for us. <laughs> no, I think that that is prudent, and that's a good mom. That's a really yeah. good mom. That's very cool. Well, we loved you as soon as we met you. So I would imagine the woman who, you know, help help raise you is an awesome person. Very stunning lady. I'm a carbon copy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Have you tattooed her yet? I did. I tattooed a son on her, but she was like my first person that I tattooed. Aww. Uh, I say first. I think she was like the third. My husband was my first, but... um she brought her and the uh, foreign exchange student she was taking care of. Aww. One of them got tattooed and his name's Andre. He's from uh, Czech Republic. Right on. Yeah, Andre, he got the same thing as my mom. Oh, Yeah, because he's like uh, Andre and Rafa. Rafa's from Germany, but I, I pulled Andre to the side. I said, some Czech lady's not going to come and and have to fly over here and beat me up right like you asked your mama right she was like I asked my mom it's okay I was like okay because I really don't want to get beat up by the Czech ladies like they're tough I'm telling (laughs) you man they're 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 a whole other level (laughs) yeah they are they're used to the cold too (laughs) she would beat me with an icicle and I would be done I hate the cold (laughs) seriously seriously oh that's so awesome so um how do you feel like you learn best? Like, were you, did you just observe a lot and ask a lot of questions? Like, how did it really look your, your apprenticeship? I, so my apprenticeship, uh, I started with, you know, just showing up, working, doing the front counter, doing everything for everybody else. And then I watched for a really long time. Like, um, mostly I watched Rick cause he's my, um, mentor. So I would kind of see how the needle was hitting the skin. I would try to get as close as possible and kind of see how he was turning his wrist or using his shoulder to get clean lines whenever he couldn't move his hand and stuff like that. And then I kind of tried to take that with me, but it's a little bit different when you do it yourself. Oh, yeah. So I feel like I learned the best whenever I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I'm seeing how the person's skin reacts by feeling it mm-hmm. instead of watching it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I've learned a lot. Like I would say half and half right from on. watching and from doing it myself. Um, if I wasn't watching Rick, I would pop into the other people who were tattooing in the shop and see how they do theirs. And, um, it's it's been you know a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. well and I know that Rick is very um on point with uh sterilization and sanitation and making sure that the setups are really really good at your studio um I'm I'm even you know open to seeing what I can learn from him when I get there but I'm sure that that was heavily pushed you know in your beginning oh yeah 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 awesome he's like wash your hands like (laughs) Every time I would, and I would be walking up to the, to the sink. I'm like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, if you, I mean, you had, I said, I think in, at paradise that you really didn't get hazed or anything, right? Well, for, um, in the sense of like, he doesn't like make me scrub the baseboards on my knees, you know? Um, He's kind of a rough and gruff and tough kind of older guy anyway. So I think that his way of hazing is probably just like being a grumpy old man. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be a dumbass. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's like Red Foreman to me. He is. He does. Yeah. But very sweet. 
He had like mm-hmm. a really kind heart. And that is, that is very red foreman. He, yes. He is, yeah. <laughs> he cares, but he calls me a jackass like seven times a day. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that um, correlation. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, before you started tattooing, what was some of the um, exercises that you had to do in order to like, I guess, build up to that? Uh, did you have anything specific? like flash or drawing or like what were your expectations with yeah okay so um so when I first started he kind of like wanted to see what I could do anyway Mm -hmm. and he was like let's start with something easy draw a rose okay and I drew a realistic rose and he was like ripped it out from the table and was going around the shop it was the first thing I drew there and he was like look at this look at this he was like the last person here couldn't i apparently he um uh, the person that last tried out to be an apprentice um never drew at the shop would go home on the ipad and apparently he couldn't draw oh no yeah so That's it bad. was kind of like yeah and i was like well i mean okay yeah i'll do stuff but like i hadn't really my dad is like one of my heaviest influencers on uh how I wanted to be an artist growing up because he can like paint beautiful sceneries and stuff. And um, I used to just stare at his like first prize ribbon hanging up at my uh, Poppy Scott's house, his uh, his dad's house. And I would be like, that's amazing. And I wanted to do that kind of stuff. So I would draw realistic things. And that's all I really ever did growing up. I wanted to draw people's faces and mm-hmm. then I would draw like flowers and stuff. Um, so I drew that rose and Rick ran around and showed everybody that I could draw a rose. And he was, uh, he was astonished and was very happy that, you know, he picked someone that could actually draw. And then, <laughs> I mean, that's great. Uh, right. <laughs> after that, we had like the light table mm-hmm. and he, had his laminated uh flash from back in the day of other people's stuff and he was like trace this color it with colored pencil i want to see you know how close you can get to this gotcha so i did that for a while and he was like awesome so you can color anyway let's do something else (laughs) so i was like all right um and then uh after that it became where he was like, go get watercolor and try it out. So I did that for a while and I was horrible because I'd never done that medium before. Right. And he was like, you'll get it with time. And then he uh, showed me the website, Dick Blick. I don't know if you ever Mm -hmm. go on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, we went on there and ordered some watercolor uh, pages and paint and paint brushes and I was like, wow, that's crazy expensive. And he was like, that's what you got to do to do this. And I was like, all right. So we ordered it. And then I slowly got better with time. I still definitely feel like I'm a better, uh, I'm better at other things than watercolor. So it's kind of hard to show my flash sheet where I'm like, this is what I can do. But really, I if I was just sketching or drawing or I always just used lead before so it was like uh this is completely different but yeah uh slowly we came up to the watercolor pages because they look the most like tattooing so then I've just been doing that ever since and I try to do acrylic painting and stuff like that in my free time when I can but uh mostly I'm just trying to mass produce so people can see what I can put out there yeah um I feel like uh watercolor is great because you really can't I mean you can you can track it back a little bit um unlike like acrylic ink and things like that but um for the most part once you put it down you can't undo it so I think that's why they usually have people do watercolor it's just and to try a medium like that that is kind of squirrely and Mm. does its own thing um tattooing is kind of like that um it's very humbling that's what rick always he's always like um watercolor is like tattooing once you put it there you can't take it back and Mm -hmm. it's mostly it's control too um you have to have control when you're tattooing because i don't think i think a reason why a lot of people order the stuff on amazon for tattooing is because they think 
you know, that it's just like you just follow a stencil and whatever, but like you're using your mag and you're trying to shade and then you lift it and you look at what you've done and you can't go back and then you just have to go with that. And then like it once it's there, it's there. And like you're kind of it's almost like a controlled guessing game. Yeah. With skin. So and it's kind of the same way with watercolor. Like you can kind of have a, a direction that you're going for, but really the skin's gonna decide what you're doing and you're just going to have to work with it. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot like that. Um, and I think that, uh, as far as I, I was just going to say, when I get there, if you guys wanted to do any watercolor, that's like the thing I love, but I'm like slapdash with watercolor. Like my watercolor Mm -hmm. is like, like Bob Ross, happy accident. Like, like, wet on wet let's see what it does like a little paint here and there it's controlled until it's not (laughs) i think it would be a nice perspective to to watch because um we've all kind of fed off of this one idea i think it would be awesome to see a a different perspective and a different approach to that i think it would be something we would definitely take take away from you so well and i do a lot of faux like faux watercolor tattooing Mm -hmm. so that's like a whole other thing yeah like but it's it's not watercolor at all like Mm -hmm. it's it's tattooing but applied to watercolor look in look alone see i'd be i'd love to show all you guys whatever you want yeah excited about coming to see you i am coming to see them in april so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i and we have a it was so funny because Rick wrote down when you're supposed to come and we were expecting like a tack or a piece of tape where he'd put it on the wall. He stapled it to the wall. Oh, I got a staple. You got a staple. <laughs> I was That's like, awesome. Rick, do you want to? And he was like, shh, shh, shh. I was like, never mind. <laughs> you have to rip me off that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> do some spackling. <laughs> Well, I'll have to, I'll have to like, um, you know, bring something for you guys. Maybe you can just hang it there right where yeah. the staple mark is. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a plaque there. Yeah. Just like a little something. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm really excited to see you guys and uh, work with y'all. I'm, I, I love the, um, the tour. The last time that we recorded, you gave me a beautiful tour and that was yeah. really cool. That is all beautiful video, um, that I'm, I'm sure I can get some really nice, like, uh, like stills of for, yeah. um, for your, for your podcast, but yeah, it's a gorgeous shop. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, do you feel like he just kind of, like you said, you wanted to see where you were at and just you moved as fast as you were able to be competent through each thing. Yeah, I think he definitely was like, uh, maybe she needs just a little bit more practice. And like, um, I always laugh and joke and uh, describe to him as other people, like to other people as Mr. Miyagi. He just doesn't tell you what's going through his head. He just kind of does things. And sometimes you'll ask questions and it's like, he just answers it in his own way. So (laughs) it cracks me. He, I don't even know how to describe him. Like in looks wise, he looks like a tattooed, like Andre the giant. Mm -hmm. Yep. But like how he acts is like Mr. Miyagi. Like everything has a different, like a deeper meaning and like, but then he talks like a California surfer dude. So he's just like a mixture of so many different things. I agree. I agree. He is definitely himself a very dynamic human. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would imagine that like, um, you know, he's a very kind thing, you know, person too. I feel like he was very, um, aware and, and made sure that, um, you know, he, he was coming at it teaching you from a point of like being on the the back end of his tattoo life where he's really trying to work less so i think that i'm i'm sure that a lot of oversight and just making sure that you're going into it well and that you're keeping your body in in shape and like all these things that he can give you these insights that maybe he wish he would have had earlier or paid attention to (laughs) yeah he says that all the time he's like i wish i had a me whenever i first started doing this because I'll be tattooing and I I just get so into it. I forget to take breaks almost. And he's like, every hour, get up. Yeah. Okay. Stretch a little. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it. I mean, it'll run you down if you mm-hmm. um, don't watch it for sure. I can, I yeah. can definitely tell that core is really important, like your core mm-hmm. area. Um, at least that's been my experience. My core atrophies quite a bit, and I get a lot of lower back weakness. Um, yeah, as a result, it's 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 really really humbling when you like are trying to put on your socks and you're like, I don't know if my back's going to make it. <laughs> like, is it going to hold like, me? Wake up in like, the morning this? and you're like, I should be in a Rice Krispie commercial. I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm telling you. Or it's just like locked up and you're just like, I wish it would crack. Like I wish there was <laughs> something that would release. But you're it's like, just wake all up like, and you're like, oh. I'm at the ripe age of 24 years old. Like I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It was, it was a revelation. I will say when I, when I um, did jujitsu mostly, and it was very core centered, a lot of stuff on the floor, which I have to get back to, but that was like the best thing in the world. So if you find a lot of tattoo artists that are like coupling that with jujitsu, that's probably why, because it's so, it, it, it helps so much with that core strength. Um, and, it, and it's so different and dynamic and that to what we do, cause we just sit for the most part and zone. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. was the first thing you tattooed? Oh, sorry. Um, I can send a picture of this for the video. Um, my, I, I tattooed a skull for my husband on his, uh, like side calf area. It's like super, like it's tiny, but, um, I remember like just sitting there like close to it and I'm shaking like, but it's mostly because like my brain is thinking I'm going to inflict pain on him on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't. And so I think that's another thing that Rick has had to really teach me is like, they came here on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Like you're hurting them on purpose. They know that it's on purpose. They're going to be fine. Some people like so. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like I've had to have like less empathy because it's almost crippling <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to after a while when they're like sitting there and like wincing and like, uh, and I'm like listening to it. And then I start to get that like panicked feel where I'm like, oh, my God, they're not going to take this very much longer. So um, it's hard being empathetic and like because I'll straight up start to get shaky whenever people start to show the amount of pain that I'm giving them. I'm like, I'm so sorry. It goes away. I, um, (laughs) I just, I, now I'm, I, I, I remember when I was your age in the industry. So I completely empathize with what you just said, because Mm -hmm. it is, it, it, you, you feel like you have to go faster. It, there's like this pressure to get it done. Um, but I, I just, now I've had everything from like people like cussing me out to like singing full ballads in my face just because it made them feel better about the time. Like, and I just don't look up. Like, I just don't look at them. I just <laughs> look at the tattoo. In fact, it's so bad that sometimes people reach out that haven't worked with me in years and I kind of recognize the name, but I'm like, what was the tattoo? Like, can you show me the tattoo? Because I looked at the tattoo more than I looked at them. Like I, I studied that more and, um, you do have to kind of disassociate a little bit more. Um, and how long did that little skull take you? (laughs) Way longer than it should have. It feels like an eternity, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's crazy because like, I wish people understood that like time is not a concept whenever, you're learning and you're also so enveloped in the tattooing part of it that like like time feels like it's going super fast but so slow at the same time yeah yeah um uh did they give you a hard time about how long it was taking or were they oh they still give me a hard time I'm trying to get faster but I can't (laughs) seem to do that I the poor people that come in there that want a medium-sized tattoo I'm like you sure about that (laughs) (laughs) it'll get better it'll get better um yeah my like the first well my second tattoo apprenticeship I had already tattooed before but I was still wicked slow I had years between the first time and the last time. And so when I got back into it again, this guy wanted like a palm size 
butterfly on his inner bicep. That thing, Bailey, took me like six hours. It was dumb. It was so dumb how long it took me. My mentor kept coming and he'd be like, Jesus Christ, are you guys still doing this? What the hell? And I was just like, I'm sorry. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it looked beautiful, but it like took forever. Um, this is only going to be $120. It's worth it. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I remember so much about my early days. They were, weren't bad tattoos, but man, did they take forever. And yeah, when, when the person's really in pain, it really does suck. I think the worst are the ribs though, for like the first three years, the ribs, the ribs are bad for everyone. <laughs> I'm terrified to do like I there's different levels of shitting yourself at your job. Mm-hmm. And like first shitting yourself is doing your first tattoo. Mm-hmm. Second shitting yourself is losing the stencil on a tattoo. Yes. Oh, my God. Third, you know, like third level is like moving to an area that you haven't tattooed before. Like there's just different levels of lo- like wanting to just shit yourself. In. Oh, yes. All right, listeners, that wraps up part one with Bailey. Please be sure to come back next week. She has some really good words of wisdom. As young as she is, uh, that is something that struck me and Rico about Bailey is that she is very insightful uh, for how young she is. And she's really just got such a sparkling attitude. It was such a pleasure to feature her on the show. I think she's a stunning example of what we hope uh, the next generation of tattoo artists really um, come with and be about. Uh, she's just got a lot of good, good energy, man. Uh Truly, uh, that is kind of the the thing that you experience when you do go to the Paradise Tattoo Gathering. I think that uh, I can't say enough about that tattoo convention. We will be doing that again uh, this upcoming October. So if, uh, if you would like to meet people to the kind of caliber of Bailey... And uh, I, I think that I can speak for her whole studio that attended the event... Uh, it's just, it's a fantastic event. It draws the best people. And, uh, that's clear as, as you've heard, uh, she's a, she's a wonderful starting artist and she comes from a good stock of, of talent and passion. So definitely come back next week because you'll get to hear more about Bailey. Thanks diary listeners. Have a powerful week. God bless. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.